Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's day three here at Dolphins Camp 2021. We have another long list of training camp notes, top performers, the matchup of the day, the post-practice media, and a few general observations from my perspective at camp and a very competitive day of practice. Plus, we'll take a few more of your Twitter questions. All of that and more from Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I want to first start this podcast in the way that, well, frankly, I think is a little bit hacky in terms of the way of storytelling, but my stubbornness doesn't care about that. I want to start at the end of this very high-energy team period and point to the guys having some fun out there on the practice field. Now, we'll go back to when the offense was raining deep balls in the five-on-seven period, but the defense put the absolute clamps on during this final period of practice. It was tough sledding regardless for the offense of which lineup was out there. And the reason we start there is because I thought it was emblematic of what this team is about. A bunch of guys that love football, that bring a fire and a passion, and that spreads like wildfire throughout the roster and with these coaches as well. It's a charged up period, and with every pass breakup, every would-be sack, or whatever the case may be, these guys were fired up out there. And we start with Christian Wilkins, who is coming off the football like Nick Cage in Gone in 60 Seconds this camp. He's looking very, very explosive. And he came in for a sack in that period and was greeted by Adam Butler for a back bump. Is that what it's called? When you essentially do a chest bump, but instead you turn your back to the guy and you kind of bump lower back and butt to each other. I remember Chris Chambers and Marty Booker were the first ones to do that. Now it's become really popular. Anyway, they did that celebration. Remember the Hoods and Burbs game last year, tracking takeaways, scoops, and loose balls? Well, we know that game is back this year, at least from what we heard at OTAs back in May and June. And I think the best example was when a football was tipped near the sideline of the end zone and it rolled way away from the field and Sam Egwavon sprints over to collect the football. And I thought that was symbolic of the effort we saw all day on Friday here at Baptist Health Training Complex, which when you get past the first day or the first couple of days, the adrenaline maybe starts to wear off a little bit to maintain the effort and energy I don't think it's an easy task, so to see the guys playing with that effort is always awesome to see, and we'll track that now into the dog days of camp as well. So the defense is having a good old time, and Javaris Davis got himself a pass breakup, number 38 on your roster, on a deep shot, and the sideline lost their collective minds on that play. Congratulations all around, with Gerald Alexander at the forefront of it, with Charles Burks involved as well. And I think it stems from both of those coaches' passion and love for the game, which is beyond evident whenever you watch practice. Let's conclude with some of the highlights of that period here before we get to the players' opinions on it and some of the plays that occurred in this charged-up period. Duke Riley had an opportunity where he comes up squared up with Patrick Laird in a one-on-one pass rush slash pass protection situation, and he throws this wicked juke move that allowed him to get around the back untouched en route to the quarterback on a would-be sack or possible sack, at very least a quarterback pressure. 
And after the rep, Duke was hooting and hollering. And I noted that we talked about his fluid movement skills on the podcast yesterday and drills. And then to see it applied and play out here in the team period, that's exactly what you want to see. He can really rev up those RPMs. Shaq Griffin got what I tallied as his first team period sack of camp, unofficial of course, and he threw a straight up speed rush, well-timed to the snap and got in there after cornering and flattening off the edge. Clayton Fedulum gets himself a pass breakup at the line, very Mutombo-esque as he was down in the traffic and the muck elevates and sends that thing back into the backfield, just like Mutombo sending the ball into the 10th row of the bleachers all those years in the National Basketball Association. Eric Rowe then comes in on a quick hitter to uh, Jalen Waddle and tags him off right at the line. More celebrations as Rowe is feeling it at this point, giving himself a little bit of a strut out there. He's had a very strong start to camp as well. Then Emmanuel Ogba gets in on the phone with a beautiful, beautiful cross chop where he throws a little delay step, a little hitch in the giddy up on his upfield rush. And then once he kind of gathers and gets back to full speed, swipes the hands away on that patented cross chop and angles around the corner, flattening to the quarterback to beat the tackle for a would-be sack. Finally, back to one of the guys we're going to hear from here in just a second. Javon Holland closes the drill with tight coverage on a pass intended for rookie tight end, fellow rookie, Hunter Long. And Holland played this thing beautifully, trailing on his back and reaching around without contact to disrupt the eye line and the sight of the pass for Hunter Long. As the pass goes incomplete, Javon strikes a pose with his arms crossed, kind of looking out there like, yeah, I made that play. And of course, his teammates like that as well. So after practice, I had a chance to ask Byron Jones, Dolphins cornerback, about the energy on the sideline. Here's what Byron had to say about it. Uh, it's football, man. It's what we go through. It, it looks nice on the outside, but it's really hard. So you build those bonds very quickly. And uh, we all kind of been through it. We all understand what it's going to need to take. And um, it takes that bond, that energy, that juice. And when, when one guy does well, we uplift him. When one guy does bad, we still uplift him. So uh, that's kind of where you build it during camp. I mean, leadership defined right there. And he is such a strong leader, not just in the way he conducts himself at press conferences. We heard from Noah Igbenogany yesterday talking about Jones and just total pro was the term that Igbo used. And I saw some of that today as he was kind of an on-field director of the defensive back unit. And this is not exclusive to today, but I paid attention to it today after what Noah told me on Thursday. And Byron runs from drill to drill, then starts kind of directing guys on where to go, where to get lined up. Like, let's hustle up and get as much reps in as we can because this time of year with so many guys in the roster, as Coach Flores mentioned, with the dueling reps on either side of the practice field, it's tough to get everybody the right amount of reps. So he's kind of offering encouragement. And it just goes back to something I talked to OJ McDuffie, the great host of the Fish Tank podcast and obviously Dolphins legend here uh, in South Florida. I asked him about this this offseason about when your players who are your best players are also the hardest working guys and the most engaged. The impact that can have on a team is tangible. And Juice will talk about that more, I'm sure, later when we get to him here on a crossover podcast with the Fish Tank. But he said that's a very great trait to have when your hardest working players are also some of your most productive players. And so Byron's working with guys like Noah Igbenogany, Brandon Jones, and Javon Holland, all these young, talented defensive backs on the roster who we got to talk to, Javon Holland, by the way, and he had a few things to say. I asked him about the visible kind of reactions he has on a rep-by-rep basis. I I referenced that in the podcast on Thursday about how he is excited when he makes a play and tough on himself when he doesn't. And, of course, the pose after the play today, then the hand clap when he's frustrated after a guy makes a catch or whatever the visual frustration that he might be showing. And I just asked him, and, you know, 
am I correct in what I'm seeing? And do you kind of put pressure on yourself to make every play? I mean, as Coach Flores said on the NFL Network on Friday morning, there's never been a perfect game played in football, but yet we strive for that. We make corrections hoping to get towards that perfection. So here's what Javon had to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, you know, as a competitor, I need to put, you know, be my biggest critic, uh, make sure that I'm always on myself and that I'm always taking that next step. Like I said, like, it really does come down to the TNTs. Like, if y'all watching this right now, the TNTs, the takes no talent, like, those are some things that, you know, the communication, the effort to the ball, the technique, like, that's stuff that is taught to us and that we take under ourselves to execute every play. So I feel like, you know, those are the things that I stress the most on myself. And, of course, Javon wore many hats at the University of Oregon, and he was able to match open coverage, play down in the muck, play over the top. So I wanted to ask him about getting acclimated here and how he's absorbing what the coaches are asking of him so far. Here's Javon once more. Yeah, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm acclimating pr- uh, pretty quickly. You know, you got to live, or, adapt or die, basically. That's what, you know, coach says, that to a, coach says that to us a lot, adapt or die. So um, I'd rather adapt than die. So I love that last phrase there, adapt or die, from Coach Flores, and he's kind of taking that on himself. Of course, Coach did say after the draft that Javon was one of his favorite players to watch on tape. And one of my favorite plays of the day was a deep shot from Jacoby Brissett where Holland had to come from the middle of the field, you know, the middle hash and the two hash marks in the middle of the field, all the way out to the perimeter. And it was a slow developing deep shot off play action. So you've got to, you know, you have to honor the run and make sure that those slow developing routes are not going to turn into something underneath or a handoff or the quarterback going boot to the opposite side of the formation. And when he sees it, He just gets on his horse and takes a great angle to the catch point. He arrives, gets his hands on the football, and Foster did a good job to break it up. It was Robert Foster on the deep shot to save the interception, but the range on full display, the ball skills to get it into his hands, and then Trill Williams also on that particular play had really good coverage underneath too, so Brissett had a very small window to work with with strong coverage on that back end. So that's the kind of conclusion of the energy and the overall camaraderie of this group towards the end of practice and the defense's outright dominance towards the end of practice. But I want to go back now to the start and some of the pre-practice notes and kind of go in chronological order here. I mentioned the energy of Christian Wilkins and Shaq, Shaquem Griffin on Thursday, and that didn't slow down one iota on Aloha Friday here. Christian was feeling the music and some dance moves during the stretching period, and Shaquem is kind of skipping around and bouncing all over the place, chirping to guys. It's just a great way to start practice. It's kind of like that first sip of coffee for you coffee drinkers out there, I imagine. I've had a few coffees in my, in my day, but I usually have them in the afternoons. So I don't really know how it goes in the morning. I finally watched the quarterbacks warming up a little bit. I usually don't do this because they get plenty of attention throughout the rest of practice, so I try to pick up some other tips and cues. But I wanted to see, I wanted to note the ball placement on this kind of, you know, half speed ramp up type of throws. They build up to full speed, just like you would anytime you use your arm for throwing footballs or otherwise. And while you might think this is kind of a given or a routine in an NFL practice, it's just not. I've been covering for three years here. It's not just run of the mill, show up, and put the ball on the right location. That's just not how it is. But the accuracy on the throws from Tua is really a treat to watch. Anyone who's ever thrown a football, and again, a baseball, whatever the ball might be for that matter, knows that when you change your base, you change your platform, you move in either direction, that's going to alter your arm slot and the release points. So you have to then, through muscle memory, be able to adapt, as Javon Holland said, adapt or die. And the only way you can naturally adapt to that muscle memory is from repetition. And not to make this about me, but it's something that I can attest to because I was a middle infielder in baseball up through college, and I've literally thrown 
tens of thousands of baseballs, whether I'm falling away towards third base from the shortstop side or into right field from the second base side, I've thrown the baseball from every imaginable arm slot and arm angle. So kind of my way of saying those who know what I'm talking about, know what I'm talking about. So with Tua, he's doing these half speed movement throws to either direction from different platforms. And the ball is just constantly popping the chest and face mask area. I just thought, This is what this is supposed to look like ideally, right? And now he's out here doing it. That was a lot of fun to watch. I also noted some flexibility I saw from guys in stretching, which might sound weird, but Jalen Phillips got my attention and so too did Andrew Van Ginkle. More on him in just a moment, but Phillips was kind of sprawled out and doing this arm over the back thing. And I just thought, man, the way he moves at that size, no wonder the athletic ability is all there for him. Then we broke into individual drills, and I got a look at some of the receivers working on air down around the end zone. And the coaches had those big, goofy-looking orange cone pads on their arms, which helps to simulate a corner getting hands on the receiver. And just watching the feet of Albert Wilson on those releases I thought was pretty cool. Then the ball is a bit long, but he tracks it down and catches the back of the football. You remember the game against the Jets, the Week 17, 2008, the division-clinching game where Ted Ginn caught a ball from Chad Pennington and he squeezed the back end of the football and he's like holding a quarter of the ball and barely hangs on to it? That's what Albert Wilson did on this play because it was so far out of reach, but he runs through it, snatches the back of the football, taps the toes, and corrals it while full speed. That is not an easy thing to do, but it was a theme today for these guys. And, you know, back to the Van Ginkle note, I got a good look at the backers and defensive line working the bags in pre-practice with their hands and pass rush drills. And Gink, maybe I've been talking, you know, I've been talking a lot about his pass coverage this this offseason, but we all remember how his pass rush really came last year, came along last year, especially down the stretch, that Las Vegas game. He was a, a tough guy to get blocked for that Raiders O-line. And when he's going through this drill where he has to put a move on the bag and then flatten around the backside of that bag. It's just like you're trying to win the corner, rushing it off the edge. It's the same type of idea. Put put your gameplay aptitude into a drill and try to drill it that way so when it comes up in the game, you know what to do. And that's where you see the scouting term for flexible ankles come into play. It allows the guys to turn that corner without having to throttle down and slow the acceleration. I saw that in spades today with number 43, Then later in practice, he went through that down-up drill where the pursuing tackler hits the turf, pops up, and angles to the ball carrier. And I talked about Duke Riley doing this on yesterday's podcast with warp speed, but also doing it right, and Gink did the exact same thing. I thought he's moving very, very well out there. Speaking of Wisconsin guys, more in individual drills, Michael Dieter, I noticed, constantly, consistently had one of the lower pad levels I saw out there. He was firing out of his stance with good pop, but not popping straight up, which is, you know, 101, do not do that. He was firing out low and a stance in control. Looked good that way. That's always a good sign. And finally, a group of defensive backs worked in this drill against a group of wideouts where there were, they're defending the ever popular look in today's NFL, which the offense goes with a bunch or a stack or in trips. And what this means is you line up two or three receivers up on top of each other, and that forces the defense to communicate who goes where. Like, because you're not really sure who's going to break in which direction. First man inside is yours. Next guy is mine. First man outside is mine. You know, vice versa, what have you, whatever your system calls for. It's, it's commonplace across the league. But bunches and stacks create natural rubs, and that's so hard to get through today in the NFL with you know limited contact allowed on the receivers. So it's imperative to have these assignments down pat to communicate it and execute it. And not one time did I see a receiver spring a leak in this drill and get wide open. It was very professional in the execution of it. And again, I love watching GA and Coach Burks do their thing in those drills. Then 
we get to our first team period of the day. And how about some running backs carrying the football? We've covered them passing, uh, catching passes rather, but Miles Gaskin had some big runs today. And one in particular, he approached the line with patience, then looked like he was going to bounce it. And you can either bounce, bang, or bend. And bounce means you go outside. Bang means you stick to the hole, you're, the path you're on. And bend means you go back against the grain. Gaskins has so many great bend runs in his career. And it looks like he's going to bounce. Then he sticks the outside foot in the ground. And it was like one of those flat escalators. What are those things called? The ones you see in airports. It looked like he was on one of those as he just shoots out of a cannon into the second level. Man, he looked fast today. And that gap was created by Solomon Kinley from what I saw. We saw this on tape a few times last year where Solomon gets moving at that second level and he can really put some domination on film when he does that. And he had a few of those blocks today. I really liked what I saw from big number 66, the big fish. On the next play, Savon Ahmed subs in and he has a nice gap opened up by Robert Hunt, who I also thought had another strong day on the offensive line. But on this run, Sam Egwavon, who was also very active in this practice, closed on the gap and there would have been a really nice battle there between Egwavon and Ahmed in a live tackling period. Obviously, you don't get to see that today without pads and without live tackling, but it was a good matchup there. I also mentioned Wilkins earlier. He had a great rep working down the line, staying in the play while engaged, then coming off the block for the stop. This defensive tackle group, man, it's in the running for top performing group so far through three days of practice. The next play, Zach Sealer and that group gets my attention and I just watch him shoot his hands and plant that base in space. Nice rhyme. And he can't be moved. This happened a few times where his combination of reach and power, it just has to be a tall order for opposing offensive linemen to deal with because he can lock you out, but he also is so far away that you just can't get off the block or off the hold to get that block progressed and to get pushback on the defensive line. I have to imagine he's a lot to deal with in that way. Jalen Phillips received some buzz from myself and others for the pass rush and dropping in coverage last couple of days, but I thought he had his best rundown rep today where the tight end kicks out and tries to dig him out of the backside of the formation and he absorbed the contact, not giving an inch and plugging the gap, forcing the running back to bubble, which means to go backwards. Remember when I asked Jalen Phillips about his matchups with Austin Jackson and he detailed a bit of their matchups kind of going back to high school? Well, I asked Austin about that same thing from his perspective today after practice oh yeah well definitely like Jalen is a great player too um you know he's you know definitely a guy that gets you better he's a great athlete um since high school so I'm excited for him and his role in his team and to work with a guy like him because you know he's, he's great also to add to that I always love Austin's media because he's very insightful here's what he says he's been working on so far in camp among other things obviously but this is one answer he gave today post-practice? Um, I think for offensive line play, your landmark is crucial um, for many different things. So just, you know, working on getting to a certain landmark, uh, making sure my feet are in the ground, and just kind of studying tape enough to know what to expect with certain blitzes. Um, yeah, part of the problem. He's talked a lot about footwork and landmarks and finding his particular spot in those landmarks. Just really insightful there with Austin Jackson. Two quick notes here on the tackling slash tag off drills later on in practice byron jones had one against jalen waddle which again you know how this guy operates in space where jones squares one up with a change of direction of waddle and just kind of planted in front of him and held that thing to a you know making the tackle or what would have been a tackle in my opinion on that tag off and then later malcolm perry gets into the notes here for the first time he showed some real wiggle on that in the open field getting by a tackler in this particular drill 
Then the real fun started for the offense, the five-on-seven period, and it was raining long balls, starting with Jalen Waddle coming wide open on a corner route, and Tua puts it on him, and then Waddle, it's basically him and a safety in plenty of space, just like the tackling drills are, in an unenviable position for any defender. I'd like to have seen the result, but I'm probably taking Jalen in most cases in that particular situation. Tough sitch for the defense, and that comes up. Then came what I thought would be the best ball of the day until it was topped a few plays later. But Tua activates the launch coach to Robert Foster, who hits this little stutter step on the outside, a stutter and go, I should say. And you couldn't have handed this thing to Foster any better than it was thrown. I mean, he makes the catch beyond a laid out cornerback who is an inch from getting a finger on it. And Foster catches it and goes on into the end zone. The next play, Tua rolls to his left and finds Jakeem Grant on what looked like a little jerk or a whip route where you basically fake one direction, come back the other way. It's Julian Edelman and Wes Welker and uh, Danny Amendola made hay off this route in New England. And Tua, remember the pre-practice note on the move, he allows Jakeem to catch it in stride, and you get somebody with that kind of speed and stride working horizontally, that almost always leads to big yards after the catch. So big throw there. Then Jacoby Brissett checks in and gets in on the deep ball action with a dime of his own to Robert Foster. A nine route, stacks the DB, gets him on his back, never broke stride. He actually accelerates through the catch, which is always what you want to see from a receiver, like that extra gear with the ball in the air, the competitive spirit. We saw that with Robert Foster. Then the defense scores a win via Justin Coleman, who I've kind of taken notice of the last couple of days with how savvy he is in the way he uses the five-yard contact window, but also his hands and the arm bar to fight with his man to always jockey for position. He generated some incompletions today with this very aggressive corner in the best way possible. Then we get the best throw of the period. Jakeem stacks Noah Igbenogany on the outside, who stayed stride for stride, step for step with Jakeem up the sideline. And we know how fast Jakeem can run. So to be able to stay in you know that phase is pretty impressive from the young cornerback. But the ball descends right over his shoulder perfectly. And what a hell of a catch it was by Jakeem. Contact, going to the ground, survives the ground. And it's a case of a great route, great coverage, and a perfect throw. I just saw the video of it, and you could not have handed it to Jakeem any better. Absolutely chef's kiss on that throw. And Jakeem had another gorgeous catch working the end line in the back of the end zone with Tua on the move earlier in practice. And there was... Coverage underneath, so Tua throws this thing high where only Jakeem can get it, and he had the absolute ups to not just go up and get it, but somehow to angle his feet back inward after jumping outward to tap them back in the end zone for six. I think if if we had the good old next-gen stats on this, the completion probability on that throw probably would have been very, very low, but they hit it. Tua and Jakeem were filling it throughout the day, and that latter rep I talked about there was in red zone for housekeeping purposes. Back to the secondary, Nick Needham had another good day and almost got the lone pick from Tua on the day. Now, there was one pass that was intercepted, but the play was blown dead by a coverage sack, something that happened a couple of times today. But on this particular play, Nick came off his man and jumped a route, but just couldn't quite squeeze it. He did push-ups afterwards, but he's made plays on the football each day so far. So good camp so far from Nick Needham. And then how about Brennan Scarlett, the newcomer from the Houston Texans and free agency, getting some big pass rush production today. My notes on him so far have been strong edge, uh, the strong edge that he sets in the running game, but he had back-to-back pressures with the second one almost certainly a sack. And on that play, Tua extended it, just like on the INT, which was a tipped ball in the end zone, like I mentioned, and gave Foster a 50-50 ball opportunity on the outside. And it was an absolute beautiful poster job by Robert Foster, who continues to show out with the strong hands and the speed and the vertical playmaking ability. 
Vince Beagle also got in on the fun with a really nice dip and rip move off the edge. He gave a good fist pump after that. What would have likely been a big blindside shot on the quarterback on Jacoby Brissett in live game action, but of course he pulls up and gives the fist pump. That was the move I thought Vince did best back in 2019 when he led the team in QB pressures. And then Kirk Merritt, who finished the period with a diving catch in traffic from Reed Sinnett, and that combination has been a damn good one so far out there. And Merritt then got some run with Jacoby at quarterback, and he runs a fade into the corner of the end zone, and he has to come back for the ball a little bit, and boy did he. He survives the contact of the DB and made the play, survived the ground for a big touchdown and a nice contested catch in the end zone. What else we got here? Some more notes. Brandon Jones knifed into the backfield on one instance for what would have been a quarterback pressure. Eric Rowe, we talked about him earlier. He had a nice drive on a quick throw from a goal line type set from like the two yard line for a pass breakup on a throw to a tight end where he knifed in there and got his hands in the football. Later in practice, Tua threw a short pass in the same period down around the goal line to Lynn Bowden, who had to make a guy miss in the open field, and he did, as far as what I could tell from you know live tackling, from the five-yard line for a touchdown. And then it was the final period that we already covered, so that means we have our three final segments to get to here on the podcast. And let's start with our matchup of the day. The matchup of the day! Robert Foster and Noah Igbenogany are the ones we're going to put on here. Foster had the two long completions, but Igbo was in phase on one of those, and it goes back to the case of you just can't defend a perfect pass, and that's what it was on this occasion where Igbo was in coverage. There was also some work early in the day on some more short stuff, and they were just locking up and competing with regularity. In fact, Igbo was in these competitive battles with a few of the guys, including Jakeem Grant on one of the deep passes to Jakeem that we mentioned, where Igbo's just stride for stride, step for step. And again, you know what kind of speed Jakeem has, so you can measure the same idea there for number nine. The top performers of the day. Quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. When you hit deep balls with that regularity, regardless if it's team, seven-on-seven seven or otherwise, with the ball placement more than once that you get in that particular bucket with not breaking stride, that's going to get you a top performer nod. I've just been so impressed with his first three days so far. I'm excited to see if he can keep this thing rolling, but gosh, I'm having fun watching it. Robert Foster, the recipient of two deep balls, another terrific contested catch. You look at the speed, the reliable hands, the special teams prowess he's shown in pass stops. This receiver's room has some tough decisions coming because there are so many guys that can just play and that have played well so far. Jakeem Grant, loves seeing Jakeem go off and have a day. The catch he made in that long ball, if he can do that consistently, I mean, there's no denying his ability to create separation and get open deep. And those contested deep catches, few things in football are harder, and he made that look easy today. Great practice for Jakeem Grant. Brennan Scarlett, two pressures and team, one would-be sack, strong edge presence in the run game. Thought 57 looked really strong today. Christian Wilkins, speaking of excited, I'm excited to see where this guy goes this year and what he does in year three because he looks trim, looks explosive, and like he's having an absolute blast out there. That sack on third and six was an outright clinic with an arm over and a quick angle to the quarterback in what was a big spot. Third down pressures always come with a little more luster. Solomon Kinley had some real imposing blocks today. When they're on the far field, I see the back kind of scoot through the hole on those running plays. I look through my binoculars to see which lineman comes off the block and kind of chases the play, and that was number 66 a couple of times on Friday. Miles Gaskin, speaking of the big runs, nice to see him get some room to operate with. Also, that jump cut and acceleration looked like he accessed another speed, which, man, if he can do that and, and add that to his vision and his feel for the, for the game, the running game, 
watch out for him. Javon Holland, the range, the sticky coverage and tight quarters. There aren't many things I would feel uncomfortable with Javon Holland doing. He's got the mindset and the skill set to do it. And he's got an opportunity to this camp to really make that role for himself here in Miami. Two more, Eric Rowe. The quick close in short space tackling on Jalen Waddle is always going to get in the notes, plus the downfield coverage. Also had the PBU on that quick setup and throw and goal line. Didn't see who the tight end was in that play, but he was right there for the play. 21 all over the place on Friday. And finally, Andrew Van Ginkle. Explosive as all get out today. Good in individuals and team drills. Just another wave in this Dolphins pass rush options or plethora of pass rushers. And I think he's a guy that you saw today can win some of the one-on-one matchups that he gets out there. So Van Ginkle, Eric Rowe, Javon Holland, Miles Gaskin, Solomon Kinley, Christian Wilkins, Brandon Scarlett, Jakeem Grant, Robert Foster, and Tua Tungabailoa caught my eye as top performers. Let's finish up here with two more Twitter questions. I put the call out on Thursday. If you guys want to find that thread, you can go ahead and do that and put a question there for me. We'll answer a couple of these each day on the podcast here. The first one comes in from Gabe Harai at Gabe Harai on Twitter. And Gabe used to write for Locked On Dolphins. Good to see you here virtually, Gabe, I guess. Hope you're well, man. He asks, I was hoping to get your thoughts on the offensive coordinator setup. How is it looking during camp? And this is now me speaking again. Thank you to everybody that wrote in with these questions. And there are plenty of questions on this topic. Just want to go ahead and shout out that I saw them. We're going to go ahead and answer it kind of collectively here once. And I think the best way to answer that is with what Coach Flores said this morning on NFL Network, which was a great interview, by the way, if you haven't seen it. William McGinnis, Andrew Siciliano were here at practice covering Dolphins practice. So turn on NFL Network and go watch that back. They'll replay it all night tonight, I'm sure. But he talked about the alternating of play calling with George Gotze and Eric Studisville. I thought he was very respectful in the way he said, we have a plan for what we're going to do come game day, but I'm going to keep that internal for now. He even noted Siciliano's face kind of lighting up when he asked the question saying, you got that twinkle in your eye when this came up. But the best quote I thought of all was when he was asked about the approach of two OCs and he really broke it down in simple terms saying, you know, football is all about collaboration. And he said, it's not just like George only works with the receivers and quarterbacks because he's the passing game coordinator and E, Coach Studisville, works with the backs and line because he's the run game coordinator. It's a collaborative process, and he says he said that for three years now, so there's consistency in that message. I'll just leave it at this. Coach says there's a plan. I believe him. Why wouldn't you? And then the second one here comes from Garrito uh, X at Garrito X on Twitter. He asks, every year there's usually a guy who takes a tremendous leap in progression. Who do you think that will be this camp? And, you know, after thinking about this for just a moment, I have two answers, and they're pretty different Just basing off last year's camp and where he was and how he finished the year and where he is now, I'm going to say Rob Hunt because he obviously didn't start the first four games last year, then finished strong, and then where I think he looks right now pretty good, moving good out there, carrying his weight really good. I think I'll go with him on the offense. On defense, I've talked about him a lot in the podcast, but Christian Wilkins, and I want to be very clear here that Christian has been a productive player here for his two years. He's been dependable, reliable, productive, run game, pass rush, whatever you want to call it. But I think he's got a chance to take it to another level this year. And he's really been putting in the work. And that's not something new with him. He always works his butt off. But through three days, at least, it's really been clicking so far here for Christian Wilkins. All right. That is going to be my time. My daughter was up at 5 a.m. this morning. And it was my day to get up with her. So that wake-up call came a little bit too early. So I'm running on fumes and Diet Pepsi at the moment. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the fish tank with Seth and OJ. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, 
Fenster. 